All right, welcome to Steeler Country. I am Tony Serino, and today on the show, we are previewing Patriots at Steelers. Steelers week two matchup, their home opener, the first ever game in Acrisure Stadium. Uh, it's going to be a fun one on Sunday. We're going to talk about all the matchups here. It's an interesting matchup just kind of in general for, you know, just kind of, a, you know, just kind of a finger in the air. Like how, how good are the Steelers exactly? What? What, what what are we changing our expectations based on what happened last Sunday? This is a Steeler team that's coming off of a huge win, a statement win, potentially, you could say, right? When they went into Cincinnati, they went into the AFC North champions from a season ago, the AFC champions from a year ago, went into their house on opening day and beat them with what, I, as I said, not just a dominant defensive performance, as I said on Monday's show, legendary. Legendary defensive performance. They went in there and basically, as someone in the comments of the last video said, a solo carry for you gamers out there. A sol- a true solo carry by that defense. They basically did it themselves. And so the question this week is, are they going to have to do it themselves again? Or can the offense actually put up some points this week and, and help them out? And let's kind of, look, before we get into the actual matchup, we're going to break it all down offense and defense just like we did last week. We'll break down all the kind of X's and O's here. But before we do that, let me just kind of table set here because I think the line on this game, the Vegas spread on this game has surprised some people. The Steelers are actually underdogs in their home opener. After beating the AFC champions on the road, they then return home to be underdogs, two-point underdogs to the Patriots. A Patriots team, by the way, that last week went to Miami did not look good, and lost that game in in relatively convincing fashion. So you might say to yourself, Tony, how in the world, How in the, and I've seen this a lot on Twitter today, how in the world are the Steelers underdogs, home underdogs, after that win a week ago? And that's what we'll talk about today because I, while I don't necessarily agree with the line, I, I I understand it. I get it. I don't think, I know a lot of Steelers fans feel like this is a, you know, this is going to be an easy win. You know, after you beat Cincinnati, of course, of course you're going to go beat New England at home. Of course they are. This is a good football team. As we talked about on Monday, I have real concerns about this Steeler offense. And and the concerns kind of spread when you start thinking about the idea of, can this defense do it again? And, and, and what they're going to be asked to do on a week-to-week basis if this offense doesn't get any better. And so let's start with this defense though, because. Let's be positive on today's show. Let's start. Let's start. Let's start and be positive. And then we'll work our way into talking about Mitchell Trubisky in that offense. Steeler defense versus the Patriots offense. You know, last week it was all about Joe Burrow and, and the Migos and, you know, defending all these receivers. And then, oh boy, they were so bad against the run a year ago and the matchups and all that. And, and the chess matches that was going to be about how do you defend the pass, but then not give up the run and all of that, this week, it's going to be very, very different. It is going to be a very different X's and O's. It's what I love about the NFL is that you could not have stylistically two different matchups going from playing that the high-powered Bengals offense with Joe Burrow and, and all those wide receivers and Joe Mixon to playing a Patriots offense that is going to attack you in very, very different ways. Before, before we get to that, obviously, we got to talk about the T.J. Watt injury. It is, it is kind of storyline number one going into this game. This is game number one of life without TJ Watt. Now, the Steelers got some really good news about TJ, considering that early on it seemed like, you know, I mean, it seemed like the moment he got hurt and you could read his lips as he said, I tore something. I, and, he's, and he's like, 
look, you know, he's kind of going to that pec muscle. You're like, oh, he tore his pec. Well, that's just, you know, everybody knows torn pec is a season ender. And so we got everyone kind of just went on that assumption for the next 24 to 48 hours. But as it turns out, it is not a full tear of his pec. It is a partial tear that will keep him out. Seems like month and a half. Mid-October is what people are saying. I would assume that the Steelers are going to keep it slow with TJ. The bye week is right around then. So I would imagine they, they get him back the week after the bye, which is, I, I believe, that game against New Orleans. So this is game number one without TJ Watt. Now, in his place, the Steelers will have edge rusher Malik Reed, a player that they acquired late in the process from the Denver Broncos. You know, edge rusher was something we talked a lot about on this show throughout training camp and preseason. Because there was a lot of concern, rightfully so, about the depth at this position. Yeah, they had, you know, they had TJ and they had Alex Highsmith. But beyond that, it was Jernard Avery who got cut early. Then it was Hamilcar Rashad who they who they brought in. And then it was, you know, it was guys like Derek Tuska and uh Delonte Scott. And there was a lot, you know, there was a lot of kind of hemming and hawing of Steelers fans, like, yo, what are they doing at this position? I think Omar Khan and the front office and the scouts understood that as well and said, look, we gotta we gotta kind of reorganize here. Uh, and they did. They've, they've kind of reshifted the entire position behind TJ and behind Alex. And that's why Malik Reed is here. As I said, when, when Malik Reed was signed from or was traded for from the Denver Broncos, I think he's a solid player. You know, he is certainly a better option than was Jannard Avery or Derek Tusco or Hamill Carbachet or any of the other guys we were talking about at this position. He was a solid player in Denver, a 700 snap a year type of player. So he's got the experience in the league. And he averages out when you talk when you look at his pass rush, he averages out to about 30 pressures and six, six and a half sacks per season. Not a bad player, especially for what was supposed to be the third edge rusher. Now he's gonna have to be the starter for the next six or seven weeks. And so, you know, when we talk about Malik Reed, the obviously the first question is gonna be: can he just be a solid fill-in? Or is this gonna be kind of a, a massive gap on the right side? You know, is he going to be a liability as a pass rusher? Is he going to be a liability in the running game? Certainly, I think earlier on in the process, if it were Derek Tuska, if it were Hamilcar Rochette, we certainly, as fans, would have thought, boy, the Steelers went from having the, the, the best player at the position to having an out-and-out liability. I don't think it's a liability today. I think Malik Reed will probably be okay at that position. But okay probably isn't good enough, right? Because the Steelers are not just losing an okay. They're losing the defensive player of the year. They're losing their best player defensively. And so I think Malik Reed can be okay here. I think he can provide some pressure. He can get some sacks over this period. But he, you know, certainly he's not going to be TJ Watt. And it's it's not just going to be the routine plays they're going to miss. It's obviously going to be those special plays. And it's going to be those big moments in the game when you need a play. You know, what TJ did so well, even last year, there were big moments late in football games. Score is tied. Steelers are down. And they need a big stop. They need a big turnover. And it was TJ that was coming over that play time and time again. Who's making that play over the next six or seven weeks? And who's making that play on Sunday? I thought Tomlin made a great point on his press conference. When he was asked, and he was asked about leadership, it was funny. The question was, how do you get, you know, the, the TJ's leadership? And he said, I don't care. We got leadership. We're fine on leadership defensively. I need about two, two or three more big plays from my stars. And by that, he meant Minka and Cam. And that, I think, is what it's going to take. Who's it going to be that steps up in those big moments? In the fourth quarter of this football game coming up, if it's 10-10 and the Patriots are driving and they need to stop, 
Who's coming up with that big play? Is it Cam? Is it Minka? It could be, you know, it could be new acquisitions like Miles Jack or Larry Ogunjobi, Alex Highsmith. It's got to be someone, right? I mean, you, you, you have to, people are going to have to elevate their play in order for this defense to maintain the level that it was at even just a week ago. And look, you know, we'll talk about the offense, but they're probably going to need to maintain a certain level. I mean, they're not, they're not going to do that again. What we saw on Sunday, what we saw against Cincinnati, again, we're not going to see that again. That was unbelievable. 100 snaps, five turnovers, dominant defense, right? I mean, that's just, you know, you're not going to see that again. Probably this, you know, this season, maybe ever. Hell, I mean, the way the NFL is going these days. But are they going to, how far, if, if we consider this defense right now, okay, they got back to top five level. It's only one game, but, you know, you would see, you would consider this defense now, boy, what they showed and the talent that they have. They're going to be probably top five with with TJ. Okay, well, do they fall off to top 10 without TJ? Do they fall off to top 15? Because if they're all of a sudden a more average defense, a more top 15 type defense without TJ Watt, well, then, yeah, all of a sudden you start to wonder, yeah, can this team beat a team like New England even at home? Because what, do, you know, if an average defense isn't carrying this team to a victory and all of a sudden you look at that offense and you're saying, boy, you know, <laughs> I don't know how this team's going to – certainly you don't trust that offense to carry this team at this point, given what they've shown. And so I think this is going to be a big factor here. Guys are going to have to step up. Big plays in big moments from the, from certainly they have, the, they have enough talent on this defense to do it. Which one of those guys is going to make those plays in those big moments? And the other thing that we're not talking about enough, I, I think, going, going into this game is about the conditioning of this defense. 100 snaps. 100 snaps for this defense a week ago. That is the most snaps. CBS put it up during the game. The most snaps of any team since 2002. 20 years it's been since a defense was asked to do what the Steelers did. And not only did the Steelers play 100 snaps, they played 100 great snaps. I mean, they were, they were fantastic. They should, you know, if the offense had any life whatsoever, that would have been a massive, massive blowout. But now we go into a, a game against the Patriots where, okay, great. You played hundred great snaps, but you got, yeah, guess what? We need you to do it again, right? I mean, you know, is anyone expecting that this offense is going to go out and score 30 this week? I mean, they're going to be asked again. You got to hold this Patriots team under 20 in all likelihood. And how many of these guys, especially as we get into the second half of this game and into the fourth quarter of this game, how many of these guys from a conditioning standpoint are going to start to feel it? Is this defense going to get tired at the end of this game? It's, it's what made so it's what made last week so impressive is that they didn't get tired at the end of that game. At the end of the game, you know, it took it literally took the very last play of regulation in order for Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase to connect to give that Bengals team, you know, a chance to win or the tie at that point. And then this team in overtime is still making plays on their 100th defensive snap. They got a sack fumble. It was so impressive, Wico, but you, you do wonder, okay, well, at, you know, that's it's going to catch up to you. I mean, they essentially played, the Bengals get, on average, 60 snaps per game. That was what they did a year ago. So essentially what the Steelers defense played in one week was one and two-thirds of a game. I think the conditioning level is going to be tested on Sunday, certainly. Now, I will say this about the conditioning. Tomlin, Flores, Austin, they did do a good job of rotating. To the point where it's not like all 11 guys had to play those 100 snaps. Especially on the defensive line, they did a great job there. And that's going to be a big part of this game plan in particular. 
the guys who played 80 plus snaps in this in last week were Terrell Edmonds, Minka Fitzpatrick, Akilla Witherspoon, Cam Sutton, Miles Jack, and Alex Heisman. All those guys played, you know, they played more than one game. But you look, you look at Cam Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, Tyson Alualu, Chris Wormley. All those guys were around 30, 40, 50 snaps in that game. I, th- I think that's going to be huge in this particular matchup because, as I said, it's a very different stylistic matchup. Last week was about Akilo versus Jamar Chase. This secondary versus Joe Burrow. Guys like Cam Sutton need to make big plays. Akilo need to make big plays. Minka in the passing game, of course, need to make big plays throughout that game. This week, the game plan is going to be different. It's going to be much more about that front seven. I think the one thing I'll, I'll kind of I'll rest on here when it comes to the conditioning is that Tomlin and that team did a very good job of trusting how deep this defensive line is and giving guys enough rest that I think, at least from a front seven perspective, we can feel like, all right, at least those guys didn't have to play the 100 snaps it took to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, having said all of that, let's actually get into the X and O's, the X's and O's of this matchup, Steelers against the New England Patriots. We talked about this last week. You have to defend the run, right? That was how you're going to beat Cincinnati because that's what dictated that matchup, both matchups, a season ago. But defending the run against Cincinnati was as much a chess game as it was this kind of physicality matchup. When you think about defending the run, you think about the physicality of winning the line of scrimmage, right? the game of the trenches. But as I talked about last week, Bengals-Steelers was much more about schematics and are you going to stay in base when they go to three wide receivers? Are you going to keep Tyson Alualu out there, right? How are you going to kind of defend a run when, when the passing game, you know, it, when you could potentially open up a passing game by staying in base in those situations, how often can you get Alualu on and off the field? And can the Bengals kind of scheme around you and all of that? I mean, it was, a, again, it was about the trenches and I thought the defensive line played well and, and kind of won the line of scrimmage, but it was, it was even more so about the chess game of, when are we running? How are we running? And, and how are we getting you in and out of looks that you want to be in? That's not going to be the case against New England. Okay, this is not going to be a game where, oh, are the Steelers going to go to nickel against certain looks? No. The, the New England Patriots are going to run 12, meaning two tight end sets. They're going to come out there and say, we're going to run the football. You know we're going to run the football. We don't care that you know we're going to run the football because we're going to win the line of scrimmage, and that'll be that. I mean, we are, we are going to kind of run this thing down your throat. It's going to be much more where last week was a chess game. This is going to be a brawl. This is going to be a street fight. This is a heavyweight fight where two guys are just swinging wildly at one another. That's what this game is going to be about. This is not going to be about how much Tyson Alolo can stay on the field. They can keep him out there. I mean, I think, you know, it's going to be about how many snaps can Tyson Alolo actually play in this game and how many does Montrevious Adams need to come in for. Last week, Al, uh DeMarvin Leal got a hat because he's such a good pass rusher as a D lineman. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's inactive on Sunday. And it's actually Isaiah Loudermilk, who I think is a better run defender right now. You know, this is going to be a game not about, oh, can they defend the backside? I mean, all that stuff's going to be important. Can they defend the backside of their of their outside zone and whatnot? This is going to be about being stout at the point of attack, staying on your feet as a, as a defender, being gap sound. And dominating the line, truly dominating, line, being the being the more physical team at the point of attack. That is how the that is how the Patriots are going to want to attack this Steeler defense. Because while the Steelers did a good job last week of defending the run, it was a different it was a different style. And th- and this is you know as I as the thumbnail says, this is going to be tested again. I don't think we should just sit here today as Steeler fans and say, 
Well, they did a good job. They stopped the Bengals, so this run defense is fixed. This is a different style now going up against the New England Patriots. And I think, you know, a guy's going to be very important in this is Larry Ogunjobi on that defensive line. I thought he played, he was a plus run defender a week ago. But again, it can't be, he cannot be, he cannot fall back into that kind of see ball, get ball type player. Because this is going to be very much about being gap sound here. And he's he's going to have, I thought he did a great job last week of doing that. And I want to see him do that. The consistency level is going to be key here when we talk about Larry Ogunjobi and his run defense throughout uh, throughout the season. The other defenders I think are going to be, you know, where last week it was all about the corners and the safeties and that secondary and how do you match up and do you stay in too high and all of that. Okay, we're not talking about that anymore. Now we're talking about Miles Jack, Devin Bush, Robert Spillane, Trell Edmonds. But they're not going to run a lot of too high in this game, I wouldn't imagine. They're probably going to bring Trell Edmonds down into the box. And this is going to be a, a game about Miles Jack and his ability to stay clean, his ability to, to read the, the offensive line, understand where the play is going, and attack into the backfield. Same for Devin Bush. You know, everyone gets, gets real upset about Devin because not an aggressive player. And this is a game where can, can the Steeler D-line be stout at the point of attack to keep Jack and, and Bush clean? Can they stay clean when it, when a guard's coming at them? Can they use their hands to keep them off them and, 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 uh, and make plays in the backfield? And can Terrell Edmonds come down into the running game and make some plays himself? You know, for me, I thought what the Steelers did defensively against Cincinnati was really impressive. They held them, what, three yards per carry, I think, in that game. But I think for a matchup like this, when it is kind of going to be so in your face, when it when it is going to kind of be this, this, you know, Tomlin talks about, I want dominant run defense. Well, last week, obviously, there was always the threat of pass, right? There was always the threat of it's a play action. So you can't be, you know, you can, you, and, and obviously Mixon is so good at that backside cutback on the outside zone plays. That there wasn't, there wasn't the opportunity for real aggression into the backfield. I think there, this is, I think that's not going to be the case in this game. This is going to be the case where Jack and Bush and Edmonds, and Spillane as well, can be much more aggressive at attacking, attacking guys like Damian Harris, attacking guys like Ramadre Stevenson. It's a good, it's a good running back room in New England. I think they put together kind of an underrated unit there. I like Damian Harris a lot. I think he might be actually be the most underrated running back in football. And Ramadre Stevenson. From a running back class last year that was pretty good, I don't think he gets enough love either for what he's done in New England. And so this is going to be an opportunity for the Steelers to not just hold the Patriots to three yards of carry. Look, three yards of carry would be nice. You know, second and eight, second and seven, I think you're okay in those cases. But second and 12, second and 11, really dominate the line of scrimmage in this one. Put Mac Jones in some situations that he's not comfortable in. Get this Patriots team to say, hey, we can't win the line of scrimmage. We need to win with Mac. That's the advantageous position the Steelers can be in if they can truly dominate the line of scrimmage up front with that front seven. And then when we talk about the passing game, do you blitz? They didn't blitz last week. We, I mean, we, and we talked about this. You don't want to blitz Joe because he's so good at understanding where it's coming from and the and the the holes that leaves in your secondary and exploiting all of that. But this is a different matchup now. This is Mac Jones. And this is a Patriots team that a week ago you watched them on film and they had real problems with their protection calls. I thought, you know, some of the funniest clips out there of Mac Jones is him trying to get all the protections correct because it's a zero blitz coming and he gets all that stuff. And then it's just, you know, none of it's right. Free rushers on both ends. They kind of cut Mac Jones in half and he just kind of flings a ball, you know, uh, you know, just to get it out of there. 
And then there were a lot of times, by the way, that I thought the Dolphins had really created had, uh, did uh, a really creative job of of kind of showing zero, showing zero, getting Mac to do all his protection calls, and then dropping and then dropping seven or dropping eight, and all of a sudden they're in this kind of max protect with nowhere to go with the football. Obvi- you know, the Steelers obviously they weren't going to blitz last week, but they weren't exactly a, a massive blitzing team a year ago either. You know, it was the interesting thing about the 2021 defense that they did kind of call off the dogs when it came to, you know, we're a five-man pressure team, right? They, they were, I believe, the number one team in blitzing in 2020, and that number came way back down. So it'll be interesting to see in this one if they want to attack Mac more than this, if they want to try to get some free rushers in this one. Is this a way that they can kind of make up for the fact that TJ Watt's not in there? You know, they talked in there, Terrell Austin talked today, but the scheme's going to stay the same. TJ's out, but the scheme stays the same. I'm interested to see if that's actually the case or if they do want to bring some more pressure and, and put some pressure on Mac. Um, you know, we got, obviously we'll know, you know, the slot blitzes are coming, but you have miles, you have Devin Bush. Um, we'll see how much of pressure they can bring there. And, and Minka, by the way, um, that got brought on some pressure. So as, as did Edmonds last week when the Steelers did blitz the limited, the limited bit they did. Now the Steelers elect not to blitz. And I shouldn't say if they elect not to blitz it's Brian Flores going up against um, going up against Mac Jones, right? Brian Flores knows the Patriots. He coached the Dolphins for the last three seasons. And he loves to blitz. The Brian Flores style is, we're coming at you. So I would imagine this game plan, it, you know, whether, whether TJ or no TJ, I would imagine this game plan was always going to include some blitz. But I think one of the more interesting matchups on this, uh, the front four versus this, uh, this Patriots offensive line, especially when it comes to the pass rush, is Alex Highsmith versus that left tackle there, Trent Brown. Alex Heisman had a great game, a great game last week against Jonah Williams. You know, we talked on this show a week ago about, boy, you know, what, what do you really expect out of Highsmith? He didn't practice a lot in training camp. You know, he, he had a rough go of it early on against Dan Moore, and then Dan Moore struggled throughout preseason. And so it's like, well, if, if Dan Moore isn't good and Alex Highsmith couldn't beat Dan Moore, what does that say about Alex? And obviously, you know, the, the, those whole conversations were a little silly as Alex had maybe his best game of his entire career on Sunday, but can he, can he replicate that performance against Trent Brown? Because the, the dolphins weren't able to get a ton of pressure on Mac Jones. Mac does a very good job of getting rid of the ball quickly. And so you do wonder if, if Mac's going to continue to be that kind of short passing game style, do you want to bring blitz in those cases? Because if he's getting rid of the ball as quickly as he did, and I, what, what were the numbers? I have them here as far as 2.33 seconds, as far as time to throw. That's pretty low. You're not, you know, pressure's not getting there that quickly. And so that led to the, the Patriots only giving up four pressures last week, but they did give up, what, three sacks? Two of them came against Trent Brown. Three pressures, two sacks against Trent Brown. Highsmith, and, and I believe Trent is, is nursing some kind of ankle as well. He didn't, he was limited or didn't practice today. There's a big matchup for Alex. He had a, he had a, once again, consistency on this defense. They were great. They were dominant. They were legendary on Sunday. But truly legendary defenses do that over the course of a season, not just a single game. And I think that's going to be as big a part of Alex and his growth and development is his ability to do that on a week-to-week basis, especially now that TJ's not in there. And I think this is a matchup, another one, that he can win. The other one, which is basically the same as it was last week, is Cam Hayward versus their left guard, Cole Strange. Cole Strange is a rookie. And Cam Hayward is one of the best defensive linemen in the league. And we know from watching the tape last week that Cam Hayward gave a little welcome to the NFL lesson to 
Cordell Volson, the rookie left guard over there in Cincinnati. So the Steelers are going to have, once again, a, a another Cam Hayward versus a rookie matchup that they should be able to exploit. I think this is one to watch, not just in the passing game, but in the running game as well. Then I, I do want to talk for a second, you know, not just about X's and O's here. I mean, there is just kind of a coaching. I know I say matchup here on the graphic. It should say mismatch. When you look at this Steeler defense, not just the players on the field, but who's coaching them. And then you look over at the New England side and the personnel that they have and who's coaching them. There is as much, I mean, there is certainly a talent mismatch, even without TJ. We talk about guys like Cam and Minka. The Patriots offense does not have a Minka Fitzpatrick level player on their offense, nor do they have a Cam Hayward level player on their offense. They have some good, nice players. Again, as I talked about, I think Damian Harris is an underrated running back, as I do Ramadre Stevenson. And their wide receiver core is full of a bunch of guys who you're like, oh, they're in New England now? I mean, John U. Smith, uh, I think uh, Hunter Henry, these are good players over there as well at the tight ends. And, and by the way, when we go back to that linebackers versus Edmonds, or, or linebackers and Edmonds, that you know, matching up against those tight ends is going to be as big a part, not just the running game, but in the passing game, you know, they want to go to those tight ends. It's, it's going to be Devin. It's going to be Miles. It's going to be Edmonds in those matchups, especially when they're throwing out of those 12 personnels. But going back to the coaching matchup, Mike Tomlin, Terrell Austin, the defensive coordinator, and Brian Flores, who is a linebackers coach slash, you know, defensive assistant. That's the masterminds of this current 2022 Steeler defense. And on the other side, this the the they don't have an offensive coordinator, I guess, in New England. I guess Matt Patricia calls the plays. I mean, it got so silly in New England at one point during the preseason that these two were like splitting play calling drive to drive. It's like this is the Matt Patricia drive. This is the Joe Judge drive. But anyway, it's Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. Matt Patricia, who failed out in Detroit, and Joe Judge, who spectacularly failed out in New York. And these are the guys that are running this Patriots offense. I think from a coaching perspective, it is a, it is big, 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 big advantage to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you do wonder, especially given that it's Brian Flores versus his old nemesis in New England, how much of this game plan, how much uh, Austin and Tomlin are going to rely on what Flores knows about how schematically they can match up against what New England wants to do. So the keys defensively for me, number one, is is be stout at the point of attack. I don't want this. Look, last week, as I said, on the from the run defense, it was about it was about chess pieces. How do they keep Alawal on the field? Can they do that? Can they stop the run when they're in nickel? Yada yada. This this today, it is about what Tomlin said early on in this process. He said, "I expect to be dominant in the running game. This is an opportunity for this team to be truly dominant in the run defense. Tackles for losses." attacking this team in the backfield. That's, to me, one of the big keys in this game. Get this team in second and 12, not second and nine. Second and nine is good. I'm not going to sit here and say second and nine. I'm not going to say, I'll take second and nine. But I want, I want second and 12 in this football game from the Steeler defense. Obviously, how they defend 12, and when it comes to that, uh, when it comes to the passing game, as far as Devin Bush matched up on a linebacker, Miles Jack matched up on a linebacker, Terrell Edmonds, Matched up on a linebacker. Those are going to be big keys in this game. Um, and then and then, how are they going to get pressure on Mac? Do they want to get pressure on Mac? Or, yeah, Mac Jones. How, how are they going to how are they going to do that? Are they going to try to manufacture blitz? Are they going to try and just bring four again and drop everybody into coverage and make him dink and dunk his way down the field? 
I think those are going to be that's going to be an interesting thing to watch in this game because he did get rid of the ball so quickly. Um, and so, you know, do you want to kind of confuse the protection like Miami did last week, or do you want to just kind of let him beat himself by having a bunch of guys drop into coverage and see if he can make the correct read? All right. So those are the keys defensively. I think it's a big advantage for the Steelers. Obviously, the Steelers have all the playmakers here. They have the better coaching. But as I said at the top, no TJ, and the conditioning for me is still a worry, um, and I, I think it should worry you as well. Now, speaking of worrisome things going into this football game, oh, let's talk about the Steelers' offense against the Patriots' defense. And I won't talk about Mitch first because I want to say nice things before I say mean things. The running game. Can they get the running game going? I mean, do you really think the Steelers right now, is there a matchup in the National Football League today that you would say, if the Steelers were playing Team X, I would expect that the running game would really get going? And this is not just, like, I'm not trying to one-game sample size it and say, well, they were bad against Cincinnati, so they're bad against everybody. I mean, the Steelers have been bad in the running game for a year now, two years. Is there a matchup in the league where you really feel like they're going to get going? Because I look at New England and I go, yeah, no, no not going to get a get. Not this week. <laughs> not this week. I mean, it's not like New England has this kind of dominant front seven. But the thing that I look at is Mike McDaniel, the new coach of, of the Miami Dolphins. Now, he gets a lot of credit for the run scheme that he put together in San Francisco, where they could kind of run against anybody, right? I mean, with any runner. Oh, you know, they had so many injuries at the position a year ago. And, it was, you know, okay, they had Elijah Mitchell. Just, yeah, well, we're, we're fine in the running game. And a lot of that was because McDaniel is a very good schematically about designing a running game. Oh, and also they had a pretty good offensive line. You know, it doesn't hurt to have Trent Williams over there. Um, but you look at what, what McDaniel's done now in Miami, and it's only one week, but he went to Miami. They've rebuilt that offensive line a little bit. I still don't think it's a great offensive line. It probably is better than what the Steelers are offering at this point. But on early downs, which is what the Steelers are going to want to do, they're going to want to run on early downs, first and second down. The Dolphins had a 42% success rate. And success rate, again, if you if, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's five, it's four yards on first down. It's essentially 40% of your yards you needed on first down, 50% on second down, and 100% on third down. So early downs, you'd either get four yards on first down and then 50% of whatever you needed on second down. The Dolphins did that on 42% of their runs, so less than half of their early down runs in that game. They had basically no success running the football in that game. And so I look at this game, and I just think, you know, how are – I would love, once again, you know, I, I said last week, I, I was hopeful that the Steelers and their right side of that line would be kind of this bright light in what was otherwise going to be a, you know, a, a poor game offensively, especially for that offensive line. I thought the offensive line was fine in pass protection. They were actually probably better, but in the run game, they had nothing to do with. They tried to run left more than I thought they would. And I think that they were trying to run at Trey Hendrickson once again, to get him in that mindset of, I have to defend run and pass. But obviously the left side of that line, I have far less confidence in then I do the right side. And so maybe this game, they, they're going to come out more running to that right side. I just, look, you got you got Najee Harris coming in and he's banged up. I mean, I know he's practicing and that ankle is probably, you know, it's he's going to be good enough to play. But at this point, you know, he's having to, again, he's having to, to dodge guys in the backfield. I need Najee Harris at 100 in order for me to believe this running game is really going to get going. I like Warren a lot. I hope that with with Najee kind of a little banged up that they, they work more Warren in. I mean, I thought Warren actually got a decent look last week. He got, what, seven or eight carries. 
last week. But I, I don't expect that this game is going to be a, you know, the Steelers are going to run for 100 or 150 or anything like that in this game. I'd love it if they did, but I just, they're, what about this offensive line or this matchup or anything you've seen in the last, you know, however long for this team makes you believe that's going to happen. And so it's going to fall on the shoulders once again of Mitch Trubisky. Now I said last week about Mitch, he's going to be a cog in the wheel. Don't make too much out of Mitch Trubisky going into this game because he'll go as the running game goes and as the offensive line goes, right? If the running game can't get going, it's going to be a little harder on him, but especially if the offensive line can't get going, then it's impossible. I was wrong. That's he won on Tony. Wrong. I mean, the, the running game didn't get going, but he had opportunities in this game to make some plays, and he just did not do it. I talked a lot about this on Monday's show. Mitch Trubisky was horrific. I mean, that was a terrible performance from Mitch in week one. This standard that we hold him to now, you know, that he didn't turn the ball over. I mean, it's like the lowest bar you could possibly hold a player to. Well, he didn't screw it up. <laughs> well, he, in a game where defensively they played one of the greatest games I've seen in, in a generation, I, at least our quarterback didn't screw that up for us. <laughs> what are we talking about? Uh, yeah, he's two things with Mitch timing and accuracy. I hit on this the other day, timing and accuracy in an offense where look, they're not going to be, I know we want to believe that they're going back, you know, they're, Oh, they're going to run middle of the field stuff. And it's, you know, they're going to, they're going to start, you know, running more play action and whatnot. They're going to be totally different offensively because of Matt Canada. Like I wanted to believe that going into the season too. Through one week, it doesn't seem to be the case. Now, obviously, matchup related stuff could play into that. Fine. But it doesn't seem like this Matt Canada offense is going to be a whole lot different from the stuff we've been watching in years past. And that means that it's going to be a lot of short stuff and it's going to be a lot of catch and run. And if it's going to be short and catch and run stuff, then there's a couple of things I need from you, from you, Mitch. I need you to be on time and I need you to be accurate. And he was neither of those things. He was neither of those things on Sunday. It just felt like he was so, whether it was, he was afraid that he was going to throw an interception or, you know, it, it what happens to these guys. Sometimes they, until there, there's not a trust level between the quarterback and wide receiver that a guy's going to be open. So he has to see it open. You know, you get that with a quarterback sometime where I just don't, I know where the route's going and I know where the defender is, but I still don't trust that my guy's going to be where he needs to be at the moment he needs to be there for me to get rid of this football. And it felt like there was some of that on Sunday, which can get better over time, certainly. But then it just felt like Mitch just kind of didn't trust himself. The kind of double padding of the ball. He's got to be more free with it. And then the accuracy. Boy, oh boy. The accuracy to me is even worse. Because they had some chances in that game. I mean, the Steelers had chances in that game to kind of to get some big plays, especially down the field. The deep accuracy, I'm not going to get on Mitch for all the deep accuracy stuff because obviously a deep ball is the least uh, percentage throw you're going to make. He had the one to Boykin. That was a bit off his fingertips. The one to Pickens. The one to Pickens. Let's talk about the one to Pickens. Because Mitch Trubisky said something during his press conference the other day that like got under my skin. I really, look, I, I know you shouldn't read too much into what coaches say because coaches are not in the business of telling you what's really going on out there. Because if they're telling you what's really going on out there, they're also telling their opponents what's going on out there. So they're not going to really give us a full picture of what's happening. But Mitch was asked about that throw to Pickens down the sideline. 
And his answer was, I was actually throwing that away. I was actually throwing that away. Now, again, I don't know if Mitch is being serious there, and I hope he is not, because that was single high. In a game where the Steelers didn't see a lot of single high, that was George Pickens one-on-one beating the defender, and all Mitch has to do is put it close to George. We know what kind of plays George Pickens can make. Just put it anywhere out there for him to get it. And he's saying, well, I'm trying to put it where no one can get it. I'm either putting it where Pickens or no one can get it. Mostly, no. It's most. He kept saying it's mostly a throwaway. Mostly, yeah, was, their protection wasn't good. It was mostly a throwaway. I mean, this is not an offense that's moving the ball consistently. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not talking about an offense that's like, oh, well, you know, you take the big, big plays if you can get them, but they're so good underneath, we're okay with it. Like, this offense can't move the ball. And so I got single high and I'm throwing it away because the protection's bad? I'm sorry. No, no. I, and again, I don't know if Mitch was actually, you know, yeah, I, just a very silly answer. But going back to the timing and accuracy stuff, in this Matt Canada offense, you can't have a, a guy who's who just who's not accurate and not on time. And I also don't understand if this offense wasn't going to run more play action. I, I forget the numbers. I think it was something like six. Actually, let me let me just pull it up so we can actually talk about this because the the lack of play action in this game is another thing where I, I'm just why is Mitch Trubisky the quarterback? And I don't, and this is not a Kenny Pickett thing. Don't do the Kenny Pickett thing. I don't want to hear Kenny Pickett. I mean, again, if you think Kenny's coming in this week, you're just fooling yourself. Like we're just, you know, if you want to see what Kenny Pickett's going to look like as a Pittsburgh Steeler right now, you have a better chance to just go play Madden and like, that's what it's going to look like. Okay. Whatever you do in Madden, that's closer to reality because Tom was not benching Trubisky anytime soon. It doesn't feel like to me. So I, I know it's a little harsh, but again, I just, I think the Kenny, look, I would love that Ken, Kenny come in. Don't, don't get me wrong. I want Kenny to be great because I want to rub it in the in the faces of my co-hosts over on AFC North, on AFC North Talk. But, yeah, they ran six. So he dropped back 41 times, Mitch Trubisky did, and they ran six play actions. So it was still, you know, in a Matt Canada offense, how did they end up getting a player like Mitch, whose, whose best attributes have never been his timing or his accuracy? He's much more of the athletic guy, get him on some rollouts and whatnot, and let him do that stuff. How did they think that they were going to put him in this offense? I mean, I understand he did make some plays with his legs at times, but the offense is almost designed in such a way that it, it limits his ability to do that. So it is it is a very strange, and again, I, you know, I don't want to kind of make these blanket statements after one week about this is what the offense is. Obviously, there were some matchups-related stuff there. Um, but, all right, anyway, we'll we'll – Mitch has to be better. If Mitch isn't better, Steelers lose, period, end of story. If Mitch, if the same Mitch Trubisky that played against Cincinnati plays against New England, this is a done deal. The Steelers lose this football game. No doubt in my mind. None. He has to be better. Now, the Patriots, are they going to blitz? Are, are they going to blitz? Are they going to blitz the Steelers? You know, as much as we talk about Mac Jones and he's going to get rid of the ball, right? Well, the Steelers are going to get rid of the ball too. Uh, and so how the how the Patriots are going to counter that is going to be really interesting. They weren't exactly a blitz-heavy team a year ago. I think they blitzed something like 20-25% of the time. Not exactly the top of the league when it comes to blitz percentage. But last week against Miami, they kind of came out in this new, like, we're just a five-man pressure team now. They blitzed on 44% of snaps last week. And they got to two of 17 pressures, three sacks last week. But that's a different style of offense in Miami. And so is that is that coming again for is that is that just kind of who the Patriots are now? They are this kind of five-man pressure team. Or are they gonna are they gonna want to kind of sit back a little more because hey, you know, we're gonna do the same thing Cincinnati did, which is sticking too high, stop the run and say, 
try to beat us in any other way. I'm interested to see how you know how they attack here. Uh, and the other thing is they run up they, the Patriots run a lot of off man. Like that's kind of their their base set is this kind of off man coverage that they've been running. It's a lot of hey, you can have the underneath stuff. We're just gonna tackle the catch point. We're gonna play bend, but don't break. And eventually you will make a mistake, or one of our playmakers in the secondary will make a play, right? That's kind of been the Patriots' style. But that's really gonna play into the Steelers' hands. Because you know, the Steelers aren't really exactly going out there challenging you vertically down the football field. You know, it's it's not exactly like, well, you know, we're gonna really be attacking the deep middle of the field. And so your off-man coverage, we're, you know, is, is gonna is gonna hurt us. No, no, like we want to attack you quick. We want to get rid of the ball. And so if you're an off man, cool. I'm just going to, I'm, you know, we're throwing speed outs. We're throwing, we're throwing slants. We're throwing all the easy stuff. And so I wonder if the Patriots are going to come off of that. And we're going to see more of kind of a press man type of approach. The type of approach that really has given the Steelers the most trouble. Uh, and, and let me actually, let me show you what I mean by this. Because I have the passing charts here. This is Tua from last week. This is Tua's passing chart. Now, ignore the middle of the field. Yes, Tua has some success in that kind of middle, intermediate part of the field. Unfortunately, in Pittsburgh, we that we that our offense just hasn't figured out that that part of the field is actually you're actually allowed to throw there. Um, so ignore that. But look at where Tua was able to get some completions, right? A lot of it is around or, you know, um, within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. And a lot of it is kind of outside the hashes and outside the numbers. Now look at Mitch Trubisky's last week and where, where the limited success Mitch Trubisky even did have last week. It was a lot of the same stuff, right? It was a lot of outside the numbers within 10 yards. That's what this Steeler team wants to be. So can the Steelers have success against the Patriots? They absolutely will if the Patriots allow it. But remember, the Dolphins represent something different than the Steelers do from an offensive perspective. You know, that that Dolphins team will beat you deep, right? They have Tyreek Hill and they have Jalen Waddle. And if, you know, if you are let, you, you better, you better give them the underneath stuff because if you're trying to take away the underneath, they're going to beat you deep. And that's a huge part of this game. Deep shots in this football game, I think will be there. I, I don't think the doll, I don't think, I don't think Belichick's going to come out there and let Mitch have all the easy stuff underneath that he wants. I think he's going to want to challenge Mitch underneath. And that is going to leave, once again, some one-on-one -on -one shots down the sideline. I mean, I, look, don't be shocked in this game. And I know Steelers fans get real pissed off about it. But don't be shocked in this game if what we're watching is going to be third and two, third and three, and the Steelers are throwing some deep shots one-on-one -on -one down the sideline. Those opportunities are going to be there. And they're going to be probably more high-percentage type throws. I mean, I would imagine if the Patriots want to blitz in that case and say we're going to play press man, we're going to make you get rid of the ball quickly, Mitch is going to have to make those throws. And, and at least for the Steelers in 2022, you have a guy like George Pickens on one side. You have Deontay on the other. And you have Chase Claypool in the slot. And at least Trubisky should have his opportunities to hit those guys deep. This is a team in Pittsburgh that at least has the personnel that should, from a wide receiver perspective that should be able to beat teams deep, even if from a quarterback perspective. Let's just not throw it away, Mitch. How about we give a guy a chance to make a play? And then, yeah, I mean, as I talked about before, like play action would be nice in this offense. Now, again, all these things, play action, and why don't they throw over the middle of the field? I know Matt Canada's getting a lot of getting a lot of criticism this week. He should get a lot of criticism this week because from when from watching the all 22, 
the route concepts the Steelers run, like they just don't attack parts of the field. It is so basic what they run. Matt Canada, you know, I got, as I said, he had the play action play where they just didn't, there's just no crosser. What are we doing? But I will say this, you know, people are saying, oh, Matt Canada's running the same stuff that they ran last year. It wasn't, it wasn't Ben, it's Canada. You know, I kind of have to roll my eyes at that stuff. It's not Matt Canada either, guys. Randy Feekner, what do we complain about Randy Feekner at the end? Why did Randy Feekner get fired? Oh, it's all it's all short stuff. Oh, they never use they never throw downfield. They never use the middle of the field. Feekner's got to go. You got to bring in a new guy. Okay. So they did. They let Feekner go and they brought a new guy. They brought in Matt Canada. And we said, oh, it's going to be all different now with Matt Canada. I made a whole video about it. I mean, look, you know, no one was more on the Matt Canada hype train than this guy right here. I made a whole video about it. It's my most popular video on the channel. And I gave all the reasons why. I thought it was going to be super hype that Matt Canada was the offensive coordinator. And then he ran all the same stuff. And it was, okay, well, and it wasn't the same stuff, but it was just kind of variations on a, an underneath passing game. And then, okay, people said, well, it's Ben. It's Ben. Ben's the problem. And I even I was like, yeah, well, you know, Ben wants to do what Ben wants to do. Like, okay, you're not going to change the offense for a 39-year-old quarterback. Fine. But if it doesn't change this year, are we really going to say it's Matt Canada? Like, I think there's some – I think Mike Tomlin doesn't want this offense to be aggressive. That's what I think it is. I know people don't like when you criticize Tomlin. I don't think Mike Tomlin believes that he needs an offense that needs to be aggressive enough that they could risk turnover when he has a defense that's good. I think that's the mentality in Pittsburgh. You know, the whole we didn't turn the ball over thing, and Tomlin talked about it after the game. You know, all those that middle of the field stuff, it, it risks turnover. It does. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. The question is, how often are the Steelers going to win like they did on Sunday? And I think that's, you know, so. All right, so anyway, that's just a little aside. Uh, keys for the offense for me. Yeah, I mean, Mitch has to be better. And there's only one key for me in this game. There's one key, one key. Mitch Trubisky, play better football. Because if you don't, it's over. I mean, they are going to take the L if Mitch Trubisky doesn't play better. I hope they get the running game, but I'm not going to sit here today and tell you that they are going to get the running get the running game going. There's nothing about this matchup that makes me feel confident in that. I hope that they I hope that they run more play action. I hope the offense looks different. I don't want to say that's a key to the game. They'll change up the offense. I mean, Matt Canada is still the offensive coordinator. Once again, you know, all the like Canada's the problem, people. Like, I mean, even if that is true, and I, I'm not going to disagree with you from an analysis perspective, there's nothing I can do about that. So I'm not about the keys, like, okay, if you want to win in a short passing game. Then you need a quarterback who's who's on time and accurate, and that's what that's what they're going to need for Michigan. And, and then they got to take some deep shots. I, I do think I do think though they're going to have the opportunity to make big plays down the sideline. This is a George Pickens game. This is a Chase Claypool game. This is a Deontay Johnson. This is a Miles Boykin. They had Miles Boykin, you know, off his fingertips. This is a game for those guys to make some plays down the football field. I think they will have those opportunities in this one. I'm predicting the Steelers to win. I know I predicted them to lose last week. I have them winning this week. I think it's going to be a close game. If you're hoping that the Steelers are going to play in a laugher that's going to be over in the, in the third quarter, don't fool yourself. <laughs> when was the last time they even did that? When was the last time the Steelers played a laugher? When was the last time you could remember that the Pittsburgh Steelers played so well and had so many points on the board that it was like, oh, this game's over in the third quarter? Legitimately, when was that? Because I don't remember. <laughs> and so I'm certainly not expecting that. I'm expecting another kind of, you know, Cancel your cardiologist appointment because you don't need it. You watch the Steelers. Your heart's fine. 
Okay, we get through these fourth quarters alive. So that's how you know your heart's still working. It's still beating. Uh, that's what I'm. That's what I'm expecting from from Steeler football on Sunday. This is gonna be a close one. I think I. I think I probably like the over. I think it was the over was like forty. I just it's probably played closer to the twenties than it is the teens. And obviously that means Mitch Trubisky hits some deep shots in this one. And I think the Steelers, you know, they're not gonna get five turnovers this week. But I I do think this is a game where you can expect one or two. You know, I I think this is still a one or two type turnover game, interception, maybe a fumble. Um, give the offense some short fields and, you know, and, and, and just hope that this offense can cash in touchdowns and not field goals in those moments. So, you know, very similar score to last week, 23, 20, 26, 21, something like that um, is what I'm expecting in this football game. All right, let's get to your, let's get to the Q and a, get to the Q and a section. Uh, let's go. Cameron says, I'm gonna still call that place. Heinz Field, of course. It's always Heinz. It's always Heinz. Uh-oh. Amos said putting Kenny Pickett before – probably before I went on my little Kenny Pickett rant. Apologies. I'm, I Listen, I would love for Kenny to go in. He's certainly – what he showed in the preseason, he has the accuracy. Um, you know, the timing stuff, we'll see when he goes up against real NFL defenses. A lot of the preseason stuff, you know, it's, it's a lot of off-man and everything. So, um, I did hear this, though, and we talked about this on Monday's show. And this was floating around. I think Chris Hokey said it on the radio today in Pittsburgh. He said he he could see Mike Tomlin benching Mason Rudolph eventually. Or sorry, benching Mitch Trubisky for Mason Rudolph. Now, wouldn't that? Now, wouldn't that be interesting? Another part of this game that I didn't talk about. The crowd. Boy, the crowd is going to be... Is anyone going to the game? I considered... It's like it's already it's already Thursday. I did consider like just making the trip up for this one because I think it's going to be a fun atmosphere with the Kenny chance and all that and the home opener and whatnot. Not going to do it. But are any of you guys going? Because I think the crowd's going to be nuts, nuts. I think the boos are going to be loud from the word go, and the Kenny chants are going to be there from the word go. And obviously, look, is that going to affect Mike Tomlin? Is Mike Tomlin going to give in to a to to the sixty thousand people that are chanting for Kenny? No, he's not. But it's going to be awkward. <laughs> it's going to be real awkward. Uh, Claude here says the Steelers should beat the brakes off in New England. Look, I understand why you think that, because they just went in and beat the AFC champs. But I, I think we need to understand how improbable that victory was, given the offensive output. I mean, look, look let's not forget. You hear Bengals fans say this a lot. They do. They, they have this whole mantra, oh, it took five turnovers. Look, look at all it took five turnovers and our long snapper getting hurt and overtime to beat us. No, you know, this is why it was actually a good thing. The Bengals are good because of this. It's a very silly thing, but I think that they I I don't think they're wrong in that. I don't think they're necessarily wrong in in saying that it it took all these things to beat the Bengals. I just think they have it backwards. I think it's it's actually worrisome for Steeler fans that it took all of those things for the Steelers to beat the Bengals. I said this on Tuesday's show. You get five turnovers. You don't turn the ball over yourself. You score 35. That's what's happened in the last 10 years of football. But the Steelers somehow just found a way to, to score 20 in regulation and 23 on the last snap of overtime. So the Steelers should beat the brakes off of New England if their offense actually finds some level of competency. But until then, get ready for 
ugly, ugly football on Sunday. Luke says the Patriots took a good defensive coordinator and a special teams coach and decided to make them offensive coordinators. Yes, they did. And that's why I think that that matchup right there, Mike Tomlin, Terrell Austin, Brian Flores versus Joe Judge and Matt Patricia is as much a storyline of this football game as is the player, the, the 11 defenders and 11 offensive players that will be out there when the Seward defense and Patriots offense is on the field. Luke says if the offense look better, I want to try pick it. Once again, a lot of people, a lot of people were saying this before. Before was this before or after one of my rant? Uh, I understand wanting to see Pickett. I agree because every Steeler fan has had this thought. Don't let don't lie. We've all had the same thought. If Kenny's as good as he looked in preseason, this team is gonna be real, real good. Like real, real good. Um, we've all had that same thought. I have too. I said I said it during the game. Uh, to my entire family who's there. I said, if, if Kenny Pickett's anywhere close to what he was in preseason, this is a legitimate division contender. And, you know, they can win playoff games like that. I mean, that defense is so good. Obviously, they got to get, they got to get, uh, they got to get TJ back. Luke says the Stewards should be able to run cover one and get after the QB all day with how bad that receiver core is. Yeah. I mean, they should see how much they play actual man. You know, the Stewards have gone to this more man concept. They're still technically in cover three, but it's more man. It's more pattern match man. Um, I wonder, you know, but Brian Flores' style is very much a true man-to-man style. The Steelers don't run a lot of man. I, I would have to look at the numbers. Kazora does a great job at the end of the year of breaking this down. But from my recollection, the Steelers are still primarily a zone scheme, and the man schemes they run are more pattern matchy zone than it is true straight-up man-to-man. Oh, Luke says cover one and cover zero. Boy, cover zero in this game? Ah. Uh... <laughs> Are they going to run cover zero? Yeah, I doubt it. I doubt it. I mean, that's look, Flores did it to – I mean, Flores did that to Lamar last year and had a ton of success. And the, the Dolphins did it last week and kind of, you know, got in and out of it. So. Mighty here makes a great point. Can we get the likes up? Let's get them likes. Let's get them likes going on the on the channel. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Claude says, I believe the Steelers will get two picks. I'm with you. I think two turnovers. I don't know if they're both picks, but strip sack, stuff like that. Fumble recovery in the running game. Although I guess, you know, the, the Patriots never fumble. They have the greatest fumble luck of all time. Nothing to do with anything. They just happen to have the greatest fumble luck of all time. Um, Let's see. George says, Steeler D will stop the run, and then it'll be easy. Pickens, you spelled Pickens wrong there. It's it. Pickens is P-I-C-K-E-N-S. I agree. Stop the run and get Pickens going. That's the key to success. There is George. There you go. My offensive keys, throw them out. George gets George hit it right here. Stop the run and easy Pickens. Those are your those are your keys to the game. Uh let's see. Sky Hunter. Yeah, I knew this was coming. That's why I did the Kenny rant before I started talking about Mitch. Timing and accuracy. If only we had a quarterback who could do that really well. Yes, I understand that Kenny Pickett and what he showed in preseason is almost, he is, it's like he was developed in a lab to run this offense, right? The Matt Canada style. I agree with you. I just don't think, again, what's the point? I've, this is what I've always thought when, when it comes to conversations like this. What is the point of me getting on here and talking about how the, this, this offense, the, the, the real fix for this offense is to put in Kenny Pickett? When we all know it's not realistic. I mean, Mike Tomlin, is he really or do we really believe that Mike's gonna gonna bench Mitch after one game? After they won? 
I mean, that's just not who Mike Tomlin is. So, like, we can have the conversation, but I just feel like it's so unrealistic. It's almost a waste of our time. I'd rather break down what's actually going to happen in the game, what I actually think is going to happen, what's going to be interesting about this game, and not some kind of fantasy land we live in where we all get our way and Kenny actually gets put into the game. Hope I'm wrong. Listen, if Kenny comes out in the second half, <laughs> don't let Kenny be good. Don't let Kenny be good because heal Tony. I will never, this version of Tony will never appear on AFC North Talk ever again. It will just be heel Tony every week if Kenny's good. Um, Ali says, Tomlin takes his foot off the gas of the lead. One of my few criticisms. You know, I would, I would disagree with this point, Ali. And here's why. When does he ever have his foot on the gas? <laughs> what, is the foot ever on the gas? Are we ever kind of uh, revving the engine on this offense? I think he never puts his foot on the gas. And that's one of my few criticisms of him. Um, George says, uh, Tomlin preaches about ball security and his top priority. Yes. Right. I, I think I, I think Tomlin, it is, okay, I'm going to do a chess analogy. <laughs> I'm going to lose a lot of you with this one. I apologize. So during the pandemic, I got into chess because, like, there was no sports on. And I'm a fanatic when it comes to sports. So I needed something. Chess was still being played, online chess. So I got into chess. Now there's AI in chess is like way better than humans can ever be, right? It's like a figured out solved game. And the thing about AI chess that's different from human chess and why AI chess is so much better is because the AIs understand that it's not about how much you win by in chess, right? It's not about how many pieces you win before you checkmate them. All that needs to happen is that I checkmate your king. That's how you win games of chess. You don't need to take all their pieces first. So they'll, so what, what these computers will do, they will actually sacrifice pieces because they know that in the long run, I don't care that I'm sacrificing the piece. I know that in the long run, I'm putting myself in a more advantageous position to win. You could almost make an argument that Tomlin is saying with the way he's playing offense, look, I understand that I'm, that this game is probably gonna be close in the fourth quarter, but I don't need to win by 30. You know, it's, what's his old saying? Throw style points out the window. That's what, you know. It's never going to be pretty, but Steeler football is 60 minutes. That's what Tomlin always says. He de he very much is playing that style. I don't, you know, Tom, Steeler teams don't win by 20, but it, all you got to do is win by one. A win is still a win, whether it's by 20 or by three. And while, you know, people, like analytics people will tell you that, well, you can't win all these one-score games, regression to the mean, blah, 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 blah. And I actually agree with a lot of that stuff. Tomlin has basically done like the double bird to that. Right. I mean, you know, he's he said, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Regress to the mean in one score games. No, they were like eight and one last year. They were eight and one in one score games a year ago. And in this, in, excuse me, in last week's game, they were one and oh. So. In some ways, you know, I'm not going to necessarily disagree or say that Tomlin's style. Is like playing losing football or anything like that. It clearly isn't now. There's another discussion to be had, and we'll probably have this discussion later on in the year. If this Steeler team ends up being good and they end up being like a playoff team, then I want to start having the discussion about, okay, what's the ceiling on this style of play? Because I do think there's a real ceiling, like there's a, a true cap on how good you can be in the modern NFL playing the style of football the Steelers play. All right. Okay, here we go. So now we got to the part. So we are, we are now in the q and I, I probably should do a better job of putting chat up as I'm talking. But I just kind of get in the flow. Um, so some of you replied with what was the last I said, what was the last time the stewards played a laugher? Here we go. 
Um, Jacob says against the Browns early in the season, two years ago was a laugher. Yes. That was the make a pick six game uh, against. Yes. Oh, what a game that was. Holy. That was during AFC North talk too. Yeah. What a game that was. Oh my goodness. Didn't they beat the breaks off the Bengals that year too? Was that Burrow's rookie year? Didn't the, Burrow's rookie year, they beat the crap out of the Bengals. I remember that was the game where I, I had never realized that Joe Burrow's arm is just not strong, like straight up, like it's a negative. And then I remember watching Burrow in that game at when the Steelers beat the breaks. I'm like, yo, Joe Burrow's arm is not good. Like that's going to be a real issue for him over time. It was on Sunday. Uh, Gina here says the Carolina game in 2018. Oh, that Carolina game. I, I lost my mind in that game. I was at a bar. I was, I literally did laps around the bar. I was that guy at the bar that day. That was an unbelievable game. That was what 20, that was the Thursday game. Was that a Thursday game? They wore their, uh, they wore their, um, color rush. Juju had like a 97 yarder to start the game. Yeah. He, Ali says the same thing. Panthers lost a few years ago. What a fun game. Uh, let's see. Jacob says, am I worried about Najee lacking burst after all these foot injuries? I am worried about Najee period. Um, I have a hot take that I have not. Have I said, have I said that I think Jalen Warren might be a better player than Najee Harris yet? Cause if I haven't said it yet, then I never said it, but take that for what you will. Uh, George says Tomlin will put in Kenny Pickett when he's ready. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, uh, yeah. And, and I think that that's going to be 2023 by the way. It will be interesting to me. Okay. Sunday's game. It's 10 to six in the fourth quarter. You know, we're start. we're like, you know, just starting the 12 minutes to go in the fourth quarter or something. Steelers go three and out again. Crowds booing, you know, just crazy style. The defense is playing lights out football, but they got to get something offensively. You got to imagine that there's a part of Tomlin that says, I got to go with the kid. Like how, what is the leash of, of, of him at this point? Because I, how many of us actually expected this to be the case that the, that the defense would be so good that they could win solo, right? That they could solo carry as, as the kids say these days, who thought that that was going to be the case. And is that a reason to put Kenny in? But I agree with you. I don't think Kenny comes in anytime soon. Uh, we got a Bengals fan in chat. Hi, Bengals fan. Hope you enjoyed the game on Sunday. Uh, let's see. This is, okay, Claude's saying the same thing. We're all we're all talking about the same thing now. If Mitch continues to struggle, how long, how many games before Kenny or Mason take over? Um, if they lose this one and they only score single digits and the defense doesn't give up more than like 13 points, it won't be long. I, I would assume that Mason. Mason takes over maybe, maybe for the Jets game. I, I don't, I just don't understand how, what, like, what is Tomlin's thought on the Kenny thing? Because remember Kenny was third on the depth right at first and he went to second. It's the, you know, it's the whole clerical error thing. But the idea of benching, the idea of benching Mitch for Mason, when it comes to like Tomlin's perspective on this makes more sense to me because I just don't think Tomlin wants to play with a, with a rookie. Because again, what is he? What does Tomlin want from this offense? Just don't screw it up. Just don't lose it. And I, I don't know that he trusts Kenny at this point to be that guy in a game-to-game -game situation. Obviously, in a pinch, you know, he's active on game days. And so, yeah, I don't know. 
it's hard for me to answer this stuff. I, I can't get in Tomlin's head. I think I think Tomlin doesn't want to play Kenny. But boy, if you're Mike Tomlin and this team is 0-2 and their defense has played lights out football for two weeks in a row or even three weeks in a row if it's if it's against Cleveland, how do you not say, okay, I got to do something at the quarter, even if it is Mason? And all of us are gonna hate it if it's Mason. But from his perspective, like how do you not do something? Um Let's see. George says, no, I meant interceptions when I said pickings, but I'll be happy to see GP catch a few long balls. All right, I get it. I get it. I get it. But I think I liked what you said there, though. It was, it was a good breakdown of both sides of the ball. Stop the run. Easy pickings. I liked it. I liked it. Amos says, let's get into that Jalen Warren better than Najee take. I did I say not? Did I did I say that? I don't know that I it's it's too early. It's too early to have that take, but it's it's just that's it's just too early to have that take. I don't know that that takes wrong. It's just too early. Uh, George says Warren is a good running back for sure. I just I really like his. Okay, you know what? Okay, I'm ready to talk about the take. I'm ready to talk about it. Here's why I think that that might be the case because I feel like this offensive line sucks so bad, and Najee does a great job of making guys miss and, and all of that. And, and so he's, I'm not saying this is not a Najee's bad take, but I do think there's too many times or that at least was too many times on Sunday. And this has happened in the past before where Najee is trying to make people miss more than just trying to get the extra yard. Right. It, it's, I understand Najee Harris wants to run for hundred yards. Who doesn't? I mean, he's, he's a, he's a great back. He was a first round pick, yada, yada. But at some point, this offensive line is so bad. This this run blocking is so bad. You just need to take what the defense is giving you. I mean, it's a, it's a very simple, like, you know, the check down pass, right? Najee sometimes just needs to take the check down run, meaning that we there's no we don't need a pitter-patter. We just gotta go. Because I'm sorry, this line's not not it's not like he has to beat. Look, if Najee was in an offense where the, the hole opens up and he's got one defender and he's, he can get ahead of steam. He's got one defender to beat. Najee's a great back. He's going to, you know, he's going to run for 1500 yards. He's going to be great. But the problem for Najee is that there are times where there's a little bit of a crease and you just kind of got to crunch in there and get the two yards that you can get. And that's it. And that's where I think with Warren and his style, again, not a better player, but like, you know, you know what I'm saying? All right. Anyway. Too early for that take. Uh, let's see. Jacob here says, Tomlin put in a rookie, Devlin Hodges, over Mason at one point. If Kenny's the best chance to win, we'll see him at some point. Okay, but let's let's dig into this. Why did Mason Rudolph get benched? Why did he feel like he had to go to Duck? What did what did Mason Rudolph do in those two games, right, the, the six quarters that he played prior to, that made him say, nope, it's, it is Devlin Hodges' time? And then why did Devlin get benched back for Mason? What happened in those games? Mason threw a ton of interceptions against Cleveland, a ton, and then did the same thing in the first half against Cincinnati the next week before Tomlin said, what's the one thing I don't want? I want my offense to not screw it up. I got a defense that can win a game as long as the offense doesn't screw it up. And then Devlin went out against Buffalo and threw four. Um, he's got – Devlin threw four interceptions against Buffalo, and then he came out against the Jets. I believe he threw another one in that in that first half, and then it was Mason time again. So until Trubisky goes out there and really screws it up, and by that I mean throws big turnovers, the whole listen. What I guess the thing that makes me actually the most mad 
about the whole, well, at least Mason didn't lose it. At least Mason didn't lose it crowd or Mitch didn't lose it is that I actually think that's how Tomlin thinks too. And that's what actually pisses me off more than anything. Cause that is, that is the most results oriented way of looking at this that you possibly could. And nothing drives me up a friggin' wall more than like complete results oriented thinking a good thing happened. Therefore the way I got there must've been the right way. And I hate that. I hate that. Nothing drives me up a wall more than that. So if, so going back to the point though, if Trubisky goes out there and starts turning the ball over, then we're going to start talking about Kenny coming in. Yes. Then we're going to have realistic conversations. But today I don't think Tomlin's leaning any sort of way because at the end of the day, Mitch didn't screw it up. Claude says Najee's got moves. and yeah, Najee's not a bad player. Look, don't, do not get me wrong, okay? That's why it's truly to make this take because I, in order to make this take, you really have to be clear with what you're saying because people can take it out of out of out of context. Um, Najee is a very good running back, and in a and whenever this line gets figured out, whenever this thing, when if and when the Steelers actually get an offensive line that's worth anything, Najee's going to be real good, real good. So let's not. You know, watching Najee in Pittsburgh is sort of like watching Saquon in New York his first two seasons just to have the support scheme to be great. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, it's what was that old? It was like a Bud Light commercial. Leon can't do everything. <laughs> Najee can't do everything. Um, George says Najee tends to favor the hole as drawn up. Jalen just looks for any hole and goes there. Mm, I, okay. I mean, I yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh oh. We got a we got a third rail topic here. I brought this up on Tuesday show and I got yelled at by chat. Uh, Claude says, "Do you think Ben would have won that game against the Bungles?" I said this on Tuesday show and I'll say it again. I know a lot of you're gonna dislike the video now, and that's okay. I think there's no doubt in my mind that Ben Roethlisberger wins that game in regulation. There is no doubt in my mind that Ben Roethlisberger from last season take the same bench, take take Ben from last year and put him in that offense. There's no doubt in my mind that he would have won that game in regulation. There was no overtime in that one. Whether it was just the offense getting one drive in the middle of somewhere or that last two-minute drive when they needed to complete some passes and, and get off first down to put the game away after the goal line stand, there's just there's no doubt in my mind. Ben at least make, ben makes a play during, during regulation to win that game. So, yes, I think Ben Roethlisberger wins that game. All right. Boy, we got we got to a lot today. This is a fun one. Uh, thank you all for watching. Of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like the video on your way out and, and subscribe to the channel if you are not. And if you would rather have this as an audio podcast, you can find this wherever you find podcasts. Search, uh, search Steeler Country wherever you find podcasts, and you can find that there. And of course, if you're listening to this in audio form and you want to join in during these live shows on YouTube, Steeler Country with Tony Serino is the YouTube channel. Subscribe there. I am live on Tuesdays and Thursdays, usually between 5 and 6 o'clock Eastern time. I'll be back on Tuesday to recap Steelers Patriots right here on Steeler Country.